On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk suggests that he's considering Texas as the site of the next American Gigafactory, Tesla updates its car battery warranties, more cameras may be soon put to good use on your Tesla, and more. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you're listening. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is episode 236 of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for February 9th, 2020. To my left, still wide awake, Daisy the Boxer Puppy. Odds are she will not be wide awake by the end of this, but hopefully you will be because that means (laughs) if you're not, it means I'm not doing my job very well. So, uh, yeah, lots to talk about this week, plenty going on. I wanted to start off by uh, doing another quick mini apology for two reasons. One, uh, because I still sound bad, this, <laughs> this cold or whatever, I feel fine, but it, boy, it, has it lingered. The congestion has lingered, so I just can't get it to go away. So if I don't quite sound my usual self, I do once again apologize. Hopefully next week it'll sound better. Second... Uh, a more serious apology. I did uh, get something wrong last week, just wanted to issue a quick correction. So it looks like the Performance Model Y does have the carbon fiber spoiler on the back of it. It's not actually listed in the design studio anywhere alongside the rest of the performance, uh, you know, accoutrement, if you will. But you can see it just barely. Uh, with the angle of the render in the design studio, it's it's easiest to see when you choose white paint. So you can just see it on the back of the car there when you select the performance option. So my apologies for the mistake on that. Uh, next, I wanted to bring up the Super Bowl real quick because I'm guessing a lot of you had the same thought I did. This is not directly Tesla related, but it's tangentially related. And uh, as many of you probably did watch the Super Bowl last weekend, did you notice that there were about as many ads for electric vehicles as there were for ICE vehicles. It was great to see. In fact, uh, I had to go back and and count them and look it up to make sure. So you had the Audi e-tron, the Porsche Taycan, the GMC Hummer, the return of the Hummer. I looked it up, and there were seven total car ads during the Super Bowl this year. And then three of them, the three I just mentioned, were EVs, so just about half. Roughly half of the advertisements on the Super Bowl was great. You know, even if that Hummer that they teased as a, hey, come see it in May, like I guess they're going to unveil a concept in May, even if that thing never goes into production, and I hope it does, but the fact that GMC slash GM shelled out Super Bowl money and paid LeBron James to star in the commercial, that is going to get people interested in it and thinking electric and going to the website to find out more. And then, you know, whether if they like it, great. Maybe they put out put down an order for it if if in, if and when uh, G- GMC is taking orders. But maybe they start thinking about Tesla because they've heard about that. Maybe they start thinking about Rivian since we're talking about a, a larger truck kind of vehicle here. But uh, in fact, maybe they even look at Bollinger, which is another sort of Hummer-like electric, you know, larger electric truck. So, you know, the, the point is, All of those EV ads during the single biggest TV event of the year, all they might not individually move a lot of needles for people necessarily, 
But collectively, I am of the opinion that they help to normalize electric vehicles, which is a really, really good thing. Because, you know, by the end of the Super Bowl, if you're going, man, it's a bunch of electric car commercials this year. I guess those things must be, you know, here and normal and, and good. I should, maybe I should, maybe I should think about that. So I think the collective effect, the combined collective effect of those, of having multiple, you know, I'm not just talking one or two, multiple electric car ads during the Super Bowl, I think it cannot be understated. Uh, finally, before I get going with the news proper this week, although this was news in and of itself, holy cow at the Tesla stock price. If you are out there, uh, if, if you're a Tesla shareholder, you had a big smile on your face this week. It closed at $748 and change after peaking, oh, around $900 or so, uh, I believe is where, it, where the, the high point was. So if you're a shareholder in my audience, I hope that you can either retire sooner if you've got a good enough position, maybe pay for your kid's college uh, or, or maybe just do something fun for yourself, you know, because even the value has doubled in a very short amount of time. And boy, what a ride it's been on. Or you know what? Hey, maybe all three of those things. Maybe you can retire sooner and pay for your kid's college and do something fun with the gains if you've got enough. So great to see that. Great to see Tesla really starting to turn a corner, financially speaking. Now, again, the earnings call was last week. We were already warned by Zach, the CFO, and Elon that Q1 is typically a softer quarter. So we'll see, because uh, now we're into the mode where, again, I I'm not a financial expert. That's not really my beat here with the podcast, but we're into the territory where if Tesla can maintain this profitability that they've done the last two quarters, they could end up on the S&P uh, top top stocks in the S&P 500. So that would be a very good thing for the company and for the for the stock again. That would in and of itself uh, have an, an excellent net positive effect. So, all right, let's talk Tesla news. First up this week, an update to Tesla battery warranties. No longer do you have an eight-year unlimited battery uh, mile wa warranty on the S and the X. I want to give a thank you to no T-Rex fatalities, the user from the Tesla Motors Reddit for posting this. Just wanted to give a little credit there. So the S and the X are now eight, still eight years, but 150,000 miles uh, instead of unlimited miles. And that's whichever comes first, the eight years or the 150,000 miles. And Tesla is also guaranteeing a minimum of 70% retention of battery capacity over the warranty period. They note, with the exception of the original 60 kilowatt hour battery manufactured before 2015, which is covered for uh, eight years and 150 miles, but seemingly seemingly no degradation uh, guarantee on that. Meanwhile, the Model 3 and the Model Y standard range, or standard range plus, eight years, 100,000 miles, whichever comes first, with the same 70% minimum battery re capacity retention over the, the course of the warranty period. So again, that's the course of the warranty period. So if you were to hit that in your Model 3 standard range plus, if you were to hit that uh, 100,000 miles in four years, that's the extent of the minimum retention guarantee. It will no longer apply once that warranty has been uh, uh, completed. The, that, that period has been 
has been completed. So that leaves the Model 3 long range and the Model Y long range or the performance in either case, eight years and a hundred or, or excuse me, or 120,000 miles, whichever comes first. And once again, the minimum 70% retention of battery capacity over the warranty period. So basically the degradation guarantee was added in and the mileage cap of 150,000 miles or less, depending on the car, was installed. Overall, I don't think this is really much of a downgrade in practice for Tesla owners. I know it is on paper, but I think in practice, it's not too much. You know, effectively, if you look at it, Tesla on the S and the X are covering 15,000 miles a year for eight years on everything uh, that, that's S and X and a good bit, you know, close to that on the long range threes and Ys as well. So that's a pretty good amount of driving. And really, no one should be down anywhere close to 70% battery capacity after just the eight years or 150,000 miles because that has simply not, I say that because that has not been the case even on the earliest first generation Model S's of which the battery packs, uh, the battery chemistry, everything's come a long way since then. So uh, that, that bodes very, very well. While we're talking batteries, the next story this week concerns Panasonic, Tesla's partner at the Gigafactory. They posted nice profits this past quarter, specifically due in part to their business relationship with Tesla. This story comes via Yahoo Finance, who reports, quote, Panasonic Corporation reported the first quarterly profit in its U.S. battery business with Tesla, which followed years of production troubles and delays. Quote, We are catching up as Tesla is quickly expanding production, says Panasonic Chief Financial Officer Hirokazu Umeda at an earnings briefing. Uh, he says, quote, Higher production volume is helping to push down materials costs and erase losses. End quote. Yahoo Finance continues by saying that Panasonic said operating profit for the fourth quarter, October to December, rose 3% to $915 million, beating analysts' estimates, uh, pardon me, boy, let me try that again, beating analysts' estimates by 49% thanks to the improvement at the Tesla battery business, as well as cost cuts. Well, again, I realize that this is a Tesla podcast and not a Panasonic podcast, but I did want to note this for a couple of reasons. First, the ripple effect of Tesla's success on businesses connected to them. I mean, think of it as kind of the karmic opposite of the businesses competing with Tesla who have been getting their lunches eaten by the Model S and now the Model 3. <laughs> but yeah, but that ripple effect... It's only going to help drive better suppliers and better partners to Tesla's side because this says, hey, you do business with us, it's going to end up being good for your business. And then second, I'm really genuinely happy for Panasonic because as Tesla has gone more and more towards vertical integration in so many aspects of their business, Panasonic has been one of Tesla's longest tenured and more crucially, most vital partners. Te Panasonic is arguably the single most vital partner to what to Tesla's mission, to its business, to everything. So I'm just really thrilled to see this. Good for Panasonic. 
it's probably going to keep them in a very happy relationship with Tesla for the foreseeable future. I don't think they're going anywhere regardless, because remember, as I said at the top of this story, they are partners with Tesla on the Gigafactory, on Gigafactory 1, or I guess it is now as it is now referred to as Gigafactory Reno. Next story this week, uh, another handy new software feature is on the way for the Tesla fleet, though to be fair, we don't yet have any sense of when. So Elon Musk responding on Twitter to our very own John from the Silicon Valley Tesla Owners Club. Elon saying yes when asked about getting the side repeater cameras, the same ones that are part of your dash cam uh, suite, your sentry mode, getting those cameras to activate on the dashboard touchscreen while the car is in reverse. So Elon is now saying yes, we're, they're going to work that into uh, the reverse process uh, on the screen for a future update. So that should go a nice step further past just the backup camera. And I suspect more than anything else, it will probably help avoid curb rashes more than anything else, which is definitely something that I have heard a lot of Tesla owners uh, com not complain about. And I don't mean in an annoying way or anything, but just it has been an issue for people. So uh, that is a feature that will be very welcomed by a lot of people whenever it arrives. Now with Elon, when he does this stuff on Twitter, I mean, it's, it's great that he does it, but it's just important to keep in mind that there's no timeline offered here. We've seen it in the past where something like this will, will be recognized and agreed to on Twitter by Elon, and then it comes like a month or two later. It, it ends up in, baked into the software, rolls out in an update pretty quickly. We've also seen it where it could take months, if not a year or more, for it to find its way actually into the fleet. So uh, don't hold your breath for it, but it does appear that it is now on the software update roadmap, which is good news. Also from Elon on Twitter, he was asked this, is it possible that Tesla will be able to create a micro map of every road with all the details, such as stop signs and potholes, that can be used by other Teslas when they drive along the same road? To which Elon replied, again, simply, yes. So, the idea of autopilot being able to circumvent potholes has come up. It's, it's come up on this podcast before by you guys in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. And boy, is it great to hear it straight from Elon that the autopilot team is thinking about it. Because, you know, it's important to the autonomous driving movement in general, uh, in addition to just selfishly wanting to, I don't want to hit any more potholes or blow out any more tires. Because... When we reach the point where we're at level four autopilot and you can actually sit back and not pay attention, <laughs> you know, a human can clearly see a pothole and navigate around it, whether the car is on autopilot or not, driver's paying attention, that's how things are now. But uh, you wouldn't want that self-driving car when you're, when you're not uh, having to pay attention, when the technology is good enough for that, you don't want it to just plow right over that pothole and potentially damage a tire, a wheel, or both. So it is cool to hear that Elon and the team are thinking about uh, how to deal with things like potholes. And the next item this week, which is the cover story, if you will, to use my an old magazine term, as I as some of you may know, I worked in magazines for the first 10 years of my career. 
another interesting tweet from Elon this week. Unprompted, he floated the idea of another Gigafactory in Texas, possibly because he spent some time in Texas this week doing Starship stuff with SpaceX. So he clearly was sort of thinking about Texas and he was in Texas. And he put up a poll, just said, that literally said, Giga Texas, question mark, with a, with a you know, heck yes response and a, and a no response. And as you might imagine, the yeses took it by an overwhelming margin. And so, you know, I thought about it and the, the thought I had was that if it were to happen, because Elon has said before that more gigafactories will be needed here in North America, that if Tesla is to continue to expand their production capability, they will need additional battery production, which can, of course, also double as additional car production at any new gigafactory. So if it did happen in Texas, I would think it would certainly send quite a message, not unlike Giga Berlin. You know, Giga Berlin goes straight into the heart of quote-unquote enemy territory uh, in, there in Germany of all the, you know, the big German automakers. And with regard to Texas, we all know how big a role that oil plays in Texas's history and Texas's present-day economy. But, you know, it could make sense to put a gigafactory in Texas because, uh, to the best of my understanding, the cost of living is fairly reasonable there. Granted, any almost literally anywhere is reasonable compared to the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, only, only I think New Yorkers can can uh, cry as hard as, as we do with the cost of living here. But uh, the point is, Texas more reasonable cost of living, and to the best of my admittedly limited understanding, uh, I think there's quite a bit of engineering talent to pull from there in places like Austin. And then you think about, too, logistically speaking, a gigafactory is a large place, and there's a whole lot of land in Texas. It is one of the largest states in the U.S., so uh, there are a lot of factors in Texas's favor. Favor, pardon me. One that's not, though, is the current law in Texas that, re that uh, restricts Tesla from selling direct to consumers. So, if it did happen, which, again, likely wouldn't be for at least a few years, they haven't even officially broken ground on Gigafactory 4 in Berlin as of yet, then uh, Tesla, I mean, Tesla, <laughs> we can, we're going to go with that, right? If this Gigafactory happens, it's going to be the Tesla Gigafactory. That'll be the easy way to refer to it. But I would think that it could make a lot of sense to build the Cybertruck there, given that, A, Texas loves trucks, but uh, but also, you know, you we do know that according to Franz specifically, when I had again remember when I had talked to him at the uh, at the Cybertruck unveiling, he had told me about how the Cybertruck will require a much much smaller manufacturing footprint because it doesn't go through a paint shop and it doesn't go through assembly. It's just the the uh, three hundred one. SpaceX stainless steel folded up to make the unibody and then, you know, assemble the rest of the car from there. So uh, a Gigafactory is a big place and a the Cybertruck would probably not require a whole lot of, of that real estate in order to get built in sufficient quantities. So I imagine that if, if the day comes again in three, four, five, whatever years, the Model 3 and the Model Y would probably also get built at uh, at a Gigafactory Texas, a second 
this, well, I know there's already a second Gigafactory in the U.S. That's Gigafactory 2, technically. That's the one in Buffalo, New York. But that, of course, is only for solar projects, uh, solar products, I should say, from the solar side of the business. So the, the second car Gigafactory. Um, I would expect, just again, it's speculation on my part, but I, given the volumes that they're produced at, and particularly with the manufacturing complexity of the Model X, I would guess that the S and the X probably won't ever leave the Fremont factory from a production standpoint. I think they're going to always be made here at the mothership in Fremont, but you never know. Uh, anyway, the point is, it's just a notion floated by Elon on Twitter for now. Uh, we'll see if anything comes of it. I do know that, I, you know, I mentioned a moment ago, the current law that prohibits Tesla from selling directly to consumers. If, uh, if I was the governor of Texas, I would probably be contacting Elon Musk's office now, yesterday, to try and set up some sort of meeting while Elon is in a Texas kind of state of mind before Elon decides that maybe another state would be better, would be a better pick for the next Gigafactory. You are talking about potentially thousands, several, many thousands of clean energy jobs to bring to your state if you are, uh, if you are Texas. And again, you know, the, the, the idea, the promise of Giga Texas could be made with the uh, reciprocating agreement that that state law about banning direct-to-consumer sales of automobiles gets changed. So that could, that could also work in Tesla's favor with this. And what else? Finally this week, one more story for you. A new Tesla blog has been published by the Vice President of Environmental Health and Safety, a woman by the name of Lori Shelby, and it is called Accelerating Tesla's Safety Culture, and it gives an update on worker safety at the Tesla factory and the company's other facilities. And uh, so, it, while well, it reads as follows. While there is always more work to be done, Tesla had one of its safest years yet at our Fremont factory, and we're proud to report the following improvements from 2019. As we produce significantly more vehicles, our injury rates went down. Compared to 2018, our rate of injury per vehicle produced was reduced by more than 50% from last year. Next, our injury rate continues to be below the industry average. The total recordable injury rate, TRIR, at our Fremont factory improved compared to 2018 and is 5% better than the industry average for large manufacturers, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Next, associates spent less time away from work due to injury or illness. Our days away and restricted time rate improved 12% compared to 2018 and is at the industry average for large manufacturers. And finally, a review from the California Division of Occupational Safety and Health, that would be OSHA, of the last five years of Tesla's injury and illness records illustrated a 99% accuracy in our safety record keeping, uh, safety record keeping that is, critical data that helps us identify risk and continuously improved. Uh, Cal OSHA's findings along with our external audits of our process and our certified OSHA record keeping in, uh, incident management team illustrated the ongoing rigor of Tesla's injury reporting. Now, there was one other bit that jumped out at me. I'm not reading you the entire blog here, but it was this. 
Quote, our ergonomics team continues to explore the effectiveness of new technologies to improve safety, including exoskeletons and sensors to support healthy posture and movements. This work, along with that of our athletic trainers, is critical given that a majority of our injuries are musculoskeletal in nature. End quote. So I think I just wanted to point that out because I think it's great to see that Tesla is being proactive with not only the public facing side of this, but most importantly, the internal side of it in helping protect the Tesla team itself. Because, you know, I think I can probably speak for a lot of you out there. I think a lot of you would agree when I say that, you know, we love this company and support them and root for them because we love the products and we love the company's mission. But it would be difficult to do that if it were coming at the expense of the people making those products and working towards that mission, either in terms of the company culture or here as we're, we're talking more specifically about safety. So I think it's really wonderful to read this blog and hear about the, the specific ways in which Tesla is trying to make the company a safe and productive place to work and to hear some of the data behind that as well. So hopefully Tesla puts a blog like this out at least once per year. It would be uh, really good if they if they started to do that, continue to do that. So there is your run of Tesla news for the week, but stick with me. There is plenty more to talk about. I've got a bunch of your, <coughs> pardon me, excellent phone calls queued up in the Ride the Lightning hotline. Let me get to those right after this. Real quick, before I get to your calls in the Ride the Lightning Hotline, I wanted to mention abstractocean.com. So much good stuff over there and still running that awesome discount for listeners of this podcast. The center console wraps. Uh, also, a steering wheel wrap kit for the Model 3 to wrap the, the sides adjacent to where the airbag is. So you can get you can change the look of that, do kind of a carbon fiber look, whatever you want to do. There's some neat options there. The tempered glass screen protector, the TESLA emblem for the back of your car if you want to go a little roadster style back there you've got uh, a ton of cool lighting kits including those awesome puddle lights where you can do one of the tesla logos uh, you know the 3sx or the, the tesla t logo itself all kinds of great stuff and that discount code 15 percent off of your first order it's rtl podcast get everything piled into your cart you're going to want to get it all in there since this is a one-shot deal on this discount code Pile up everything you want in your cart, get there, and then use that coupon code RTL Podcast, all one word, at abstractocean.com. All right. Uh, the February Patreon exclusive bonus episode is up. If you are uh, supporting me at that at the bonus episode tier on Patreon. Uh, and I want to mention the the callers' names because, of course, as always. If I call your name, if I played your call on the bonus episode and you are not uh, backing me on Patreon, I, I will give you a free download token for this because I want you to hear the, your, uh, your question answered to. It's only fair you took the time to call in. So Lawton from Chicago, Michael from Calgary, Charlie from Seattle, Jason from Minnesota, Daniel from Orange County, Chris from Arlington, Jason from Northern Virginia, Chris from Hollywood, Joe from New York, Dave in the UK, Mike from Sacramento, Brad from Indianapolis, 
and Gerardo from Reno. So uh, feel free to get in touch with any of you there if you want to get that uh, download token. For everybody else, I hope you, if you are not already backing me on Patreon, that maybe you'll consider it since uh, one of the perks you get is that bonus episode every month where I play. Uh, I do all the extra awesome phone calls that I'm not able to get to during the regular weekly shows. All right. Speaking of that, let's do, uh, I've got 10 of them queued up here. Lots of great stuff. And if you want to call in, I, I really welcome your calls. I encourage your calls. I think it adds a lot to the show to hear from you folks. So please do call in. Uh, please keep it to 90 seconds or less, a minute and a half or less if you do call in. And you can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software Record that 90-second or less question and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave that 90-second or less call on uh, as a voicemail on the Ride the Lightning hotline. All you got to do is dial it up. It's toll-free. The number is one 888 989 That's 1-888-989-889. T-S-L-A. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake if you like. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let me kick it off with Dave from Fort Pierce with a helpful suggestion for owners of MCU1 Teslas. Go ahead, Dave. Hey Ryan, Dave from Fort Pierce with a pro tip for Model S and X users that have MCU1 in their car where they can't get release notes, browsers, or view the uh, vehicle manual anymore. This comes from uh, DJ Hazy on uh, Reddit, and he has figured out a brilliant way to make this work. Um, so first what you want to do is... Uh, do a, a reset of your MCU, um, holding the two buttons, and remove your USB drive, any USB drives you have. And then step one, open up your browser and type in 127.0.0.1 colon 8000 and navigate to it. Once you see, quote, this web page not available, Browse to the page of your choice, and you're back in action. You'll get your release notes back. You'll get your car manual, owner's manual back, and your browser will work however good a browser works in MCU1. So far, so good. Very successful. He noted that uh, a few days later it uh, quit working, and he just did a reset, and it's worked fine. Uh, just wanted to kick that in there. Keep up the good work, and thanks for all that you do. Dave, thanks so much for calling in with this. I'm not able to test that myself since I don't have an MCU One car, but I certainly take your word for it and the word of the Tesla Reddit community. I am more than happy to pass this along for fellow MCU One equipped Tesla owners out there in the hopes that it might be of use to them as well. Thank you again, Dave. That is excellent. Let me go to Rob from Toronto. Uh, up next, who has something of a correction for me, which I always appreciate if I if it is warranted, and in this case, it very much is. Go ahead, Rob. Hi, Ryan. It's Rob from Toronto. I'm happily sitting in my newly acquired Tesla Model S 90D, enjoying it immensely and enjoying listening to your podcast. I wanted to comment on your, your discussion today about the uh, change in the collision rates 
from one quarter to another. And uh, just to say that I think it's very, always very dangerous to compare one quarter to the previous quarter, given the road and weather conditions that change, especially when the third uh, quarter is summer and the fourth quarter is uh, the onset of winter conditions. Um, I'd be interested to know if you went back and compared Q4 to Q4 in the previous year and maybe do a year-to-date total and uh, comparing uh, the same quarters, it might be just a little more representative. be interested to know if you have any more thoughts on that. Anyway, keep up the good work. Thoroughly enjoy and appreciate your work. Bye. Rob, that is a very fair point. Thank you for calling in with that. Some other folks tweeted and emailed me about that as well. Rob was first, but yeah, that is so correct. I should should have absolutely thought about that, but I didn't. So thank you very much for making me think about it and setting the record straight for me and anybody else that uh, that may not have uh, have connected the dots on that. So with that said, here it is. Here's the only year-over-year data that we have so far since Tesla started releasing this information. Q4 2019, one accident per 3.07 million miles with autopilot on. Q4 2018, same thing, one accident per 2.91 million miles. So there you go, Rob, your point is validated. Without autopilot, a Tesla experienced one accident per 2.1 million miles driven in Q4 2019 versus one for every 1.58 million miles driven in Q4 2018. So again, the numbers better year over year, factoring in the tr- uh, trickier conditions, the winter winter weather. So uh, great stuff. Thank you, Rob, and thanks to everybody else that had emailed or tweeted me about that as well. Will from Atlanta is up next. Will, you're on the air. Hey, Brian. This is Will Berger from Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, first, thank you for, for what you do every week. Uh, I, I listen. I don't miss an episode. Just just love what you do, and it's great for our community. Um but I wanted to comment on something that you mentioned in your last podcast where you were talking about Brian Sparks, the short seller who is taking action by uh, uh, contacting uh, the government about the sudden acceleration. Um, and clearly, you know, we'll see what the report comes out to be. But um, clearly, this is a move by him to try to uh, influence his position in Tesla as a short seller. And this is actually illegal. This is called short and distort. Um, uh, There's nothing wrong with with being a short seller, but when you actively go out and try to influence the market, um, then it's it's a very serious thing. And um, uh, if if you look it up, you can go look at Investopedia and look up uh, short and distort. Uh, you'll see that people have uh, have you know when when the government has decided to take it up, uh, it's, it's the 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 people that have committed this crime usually end up in, in trouble. But anyways, I just wanted to mention it to you because uh, you know I wonder if the government just you know this is too small of a fish for him for them to deal with. Uh, but you know if they're going to go to the trouble to to investigate uh, Tesla, they should also go to the trouble of looking at the person who 
instigated the investigation uh, of of something like this, right? Anyways, just wanted to bring up that point. Uh, thanks again. Uh, all you do, uh, enjoy the show, and and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, bye. Will, thank you for your call. And you're absolutely right. Shorting is a perfectly acceptable form of investing. And there are plenty of Tesla short sellers who are playing it by the book. But there are also so many that go beyond the pale. And I agree that some of this stuff ventures into what seems like it's illegal or should be. The unfortunate part is that until some of these people start being held accountable for their behavior, it's going to continue because the SEC is, in a way, seemingly condoning it by not prosecuting obvious nefarious activity. It wouldn't take much, I imagine, if they just, all they have to do is make an example out of a few of these fudsters who cross the line, I think it would help control a lot of the unfair and just plain false things that are said out there about Tesla. Now, it is worth noting that short trading was briefly paused for Tesla this week as the the stock was going absolutely insane, uh, mostly up, but also it did go crazy a bit downward as well. So um, whether that's the SEC kind of sort of acknowledging that, yeah, there might be a problem here, whether they're going to do more about it than that or what, I don't know, but take that for what, what you will. But I agree, the, uh, the short selling is just, it's unbelievable. Tesla's the most shorted stock uh, or, or trades the one-two spot with Apple. So uh, Tom from the UK is next, wants to talk about transferring autopilot. Go ahead, Tom. Hi, Ryan. I'm Tom from the UK. Once again, on the last episode, transferring autopilot came up. I do think this is unfair to customers, especially when features quite often haven't completely materialized. It, the answer to me seems obvious. Why has nobody at Tesla thought of this? I think that the original purchase price you paid for autopilot should be able to be retroactively applied as a discount to your, any new vehicle you buy at Tesla. You would have to disable autopilot on the first vehicle, but if you paid £2,000 to activate it on your Model S and you bought a Model 3 and the price was now £5,000, then £3,000 would be the difference. So you pay them £3,000 to activate autopilot on your Model 3, your Model S loses autopilot, and Tesla have made all the money they've made off new autopilot purchase, but you have bought a brand new Model 3 from them. Does that make sense to you? Hope it does. Thank you for the podcast. Have a great day. Bye. I'd love to see that, Tom. You know, it's not unlike a software license that you might buy for your PC or Mac for something like the Adobe Suite, you know? Here's hoping that Tesla does address this at some point sooner rather than later, hopefully. Let me go to John from Chino Hills, California, is up next and wants to talk a little Cybertruck. Go ahead, John. Hi, Ryan. It's John from uh, Chino Hills, California. I'm a proud owner of a Tesla Model S, and I uh, also have a Cybertruck order in the making. And I have a question regarding the Cybertruck. I know that it withheld quite well over the sledgehammer incident. But I'm wondering what would happen if, God forbid, uh, the truck got hit by something a little bit bigger than a sledgehammer and did, in fact, do some damage. Do you know what the repairs would look like in terms of the uh, severity, um, the frame all being a uni uniframe? 
I'm just confused about that. If you could help me, I'd appreciate it. Great podcast. Really appreciate the effort. Take care. Bye-bye. John, thanks for calling in. You know I'm always happy to talk about stainless steel as it applies to car bodies. So with the DeLorean, uh, the stainless steel body was made up of panels. You had the fenders, the rear quarter panels, the hood, the T-panel roof, which obviously went where the gullwing doors didn't, and the gullwing doors themselves. Each piece could be removed in the event of damage, and a good metal worker could rework and then regrain the panel to make it look literally, I'm no exaggeration, absolutely brand new. The Cybertruck, as we all know, isn't going to be made up of individual panels. So while I confess I don't know exactly how that repair will work, and believe me, I welcome any metalworking experts to call in or email me about this and educate me. I would imagine that a lot of the same strategies would apply, but the work would have to be done right on the unibody since there are no panels to be removed. Thankfully, the various sections of the Cybertruck are all fairly large, and they're all absolutely flat. The DeLorean had curves in its panels, which could make things a little trickier. That's why, again, you needed a good stainless steel metal worker to take care of it. So uh, in at least that regard, the Cybertruck's body will be easier to work on than the DeLorean's because (laughs) there are no curved pieces. But thank you very much for that call, John. Uh, sticking with the topic of the Cybertruck, Andy from Bristol, England. Go ahead, Andy. Hey, Ryan. It's Andy from Bristol in England here. Long-time fan of your work on IGN and a newcomer to your podcast, which I started listening to after the unveiling of the Cybertruck. So like many mid-30s males, I grew up loving the visions of the future experience through film, and I believe a vehicle like this is aimed at people like me who grew up with these influences. So I put down a £100 deposit on day one, and I cannot wait to get hold of one of these trucks. But should I be concerned that what I see is not what I'll get? I've read a few articles online stating that the vehicle is not street legal in Europe, and that the vehicle may only go on sale in the US. Should I be worried that a European Cybertruck may go through significant design revisions, or that it might not ship to European markets at all? Now, I'd be surprised if Tesla hadn't already checked to make sure the vehicle fits the criteria for international markets, and I'd be even more surprised if they took deposits in regions that they're not planning to ship to or required significant design changes. What do you think about these articles? Are there any truth to them? Should I be worried that Europe may only get an inferior version of the Cybertruck, or that I may not even get one at all? Really keen to hear your thoughts. Thanks again, Ryan. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for giving it a try. I appreciate it. Uh, If you're new to the podcast and new to the world of Tesla, there is something that you need to know. Uh, There is a lot of false information and misleading information written about Tesla, as you've, you've actually, this has been a topic that's already come up on this podcast. From the smallest blogger up to the largest institutions of journalism, Tesla, as I mentioned uh, earlier, the most shorted stock on the market or trades off that that quote-unquote honor with Apple, depending on what day it is. So there is a lot of incentive out there for people at various levels to malign Tesla for the financial gain of either themselves and or the people that they represent. If you've never heard the term FUD before, you'll want to get familiar with it in the world of Tesla. It stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And it is not a term unique to Tesla, but it is rampant 
uh, within the Tesla world because of the aforementioned nefarious forces. Uh, that's I'm sorry to say that, but that's just true. So all of that is to say that thankfully, everything that you've read is somewhere between speculation and nonsense with regard to the Cybertruck in Europe. I mean, as you said yourself, Tesla's a pretty smart company, and they're not going to make something that requires significant changes in order to be sold in other territories. They are a lean, mean, efficient company, and that's not that's just not never how they've worked. You know, some changes are unavoidable, yes, like for instance, Canadian Teslas have to they're not the exact same as American Teslas because they require labeling that's, you know, labels on the cars that are in both English and French. But uh, I would not worry that you've given Tesla a 100 pound loan that you're never going to see a return on. I'm confident that you will get your Cybertruck and it will probably be very similar to what you saw on stage at the reveal. In fact, Tesla's history suggests that what finds its way into your driveway will actually be even better than the prototype in most, if not all, respects. So Andy, welcome to the Tesla community. Believe me, it is an incredibly fun place to spend time. That's why I've I've been here for, uh, well, actually, I've been in the community now, I guess, for over 10 years, and only the last year and a half of that's been as an owner. You know, I was... I was a, a kid with his face pressed against the window, wishing he could be inside for a long time. And uh, and I had a blast then. And now that I uh, am lucky enough to own a Tesla, I'm having even more fun, in fact. So welcome. One more Cybertruck call. It comes from Greg. Go ahead, Greg. Hi, Ryan. This is Greg. Just wondering if you know about... Uh die cast of cyber truck and if they'll make it and would you buy a, like legos uh, i think it would be a good one uh, thanks love the podcast Hi, Greg. Well, no word on it yet, but i would be willing to bet an in-and-out burger lunch that it will happen. All of the other Tesla vehicles have a 1/18th diecast scale model available, including the semi truck and the Roadster. Still waiting on the one for the Model Y, but I would imagine that's on the way as well. You know, Tesla never seems to announce these things ahead of time. They just show up in the online Tesla store one day, which is what happened with the Roadster one a few months ago. But the Cybertruck is so popular, it's such a huge hit for Tesla already, that it's it's bound to happen. It's absolutely bound to happen. And I'll tell you, uh, even though I'm not buying a real one because of how big it is, I could fit a 118th scale diecast one in my house, and I would definitely be interested in a diecast Cybertruck, especially if it's made out of stainless steel. So let's see how accurate Tesla wants to get with it uh, once they do get around to making the diecast version. Uh, an anonymous call next as, uh, what do we got? Uh, three more calls, three more calls uh, here. So anonymous call, you are on the air. Hey Ryan, what is better for my Model 3, max charging or stopping at a supercharger? If I have that option to make a whole trip without a supercharger by max charging, is that a better option? 
Well, I imagine you're not the only person that might be wondering this, so I'm glad you called in with it, and I am happy to help you. So uh, go ahead and do the maximum range charge, because honestly, that's what it's there for. The trick is to uh, to do your best to not leave the car sitting at 100% for very long. Ideally, you would charge it to 100% and then unplug and head out right away. And the reason for that is it's better for the long-term health of the battery. I hope you have an excellent trip, and thanks so much for calling in. Uh, My penultimate caller this week is Will from the UK, who wants to talk about supercharging in his Model X. Go ahead, Will. Hi, Ryan. It's Will Brockerback in the UK, just sitting in my uh, Model X 100 kilowatt hour battery pack at a version 2 supercharger in the UK. I've been pulling 120 kilowatts max for about the last 10 minutes. Um, And it made me think back to last year um, and the upgrade that was going to happen. An article on Clean Technica of April 26, 2019 says that Model S and X uh, cars with 100 kilowatt hour battery packs are going to get speeds of up to 150 kilowatts max uh, when they're the only car charging in a version 2 pair, as I am now. Clearly, this has not happened, um, or at least not happened uh, to my car and this charger. And I'm running the latest firmware, and I'd imagine this charger was the latest firmware. It's one of the busier ones in Britain. Any ideas at your end on where the 150 kilowatt max is? Uh, Anyway, appreciate your feedback. Thanks very much. Cheers. Bye. I wish I could be more helpful here, Will, but I confess that I am empty-handed on this one. I went and read the same article that you did after uh, I listened to your call, and sure enough, Clean Technica, who is, by the way, a reputable outlet, specifically says in that piece that Tesla reached out to them with this, and that it would be the Model 3 Long Range and the S and the X 100 kilowatt hour packs. The only thing I wonder about for you is whether or not the pack was at a low enough state of charge when you plugged in, and also if the battery had preconditioned to the ideal temperature and route to the supercharger, because both of those things have to be in effect in order to receive the maximum charge rate, and that's the case for uh, an S or an X on... on uh, on V2 or V3, it's, it's really, it's the case for anything, uh, a Model 3 on V3 or on V2, that is the case. So um, from my experience, the chargest, pardon me, the highest charge rate that I saw on my recent trip to Arizona over the holidays was 223 kilowatts. I actually had it on film. I was able to go back and check because I was I wanted to record it and post it on, on my Instagram in case I actually hit 250, but I only got up to 223 at a, at a V3 supercharger, and I had preconditioned the battery, uh, according to the car, and I, came, I arrived with about 12% charge. So I think uh, I would have needed to be at an even lower state of charge to hit the full 250. So... I hope that just maybe one of those two reminders might be of help to you. Finally this week, Chad from Concord calling in about hardware 2, hardware 3, and supercharging, etc. Go ahead, Chad. Hey, Ryan. This is Chad out here in the East Bay, Concord, California. Got a question for you, a thought regarding... Uh, the innovation and the speed at which technology progresses uh, with re- specific regard to 
Hardware 3, which is being rolled out, and also V3, which I believe uh, Elon said 2020, all the V3 chargers, uh, it's going to progress more and more rapidly, rolling out the upgrades. And my, my thought is, with how fast technology moves forward, uh, you know, once we all get our hardware three updated, and once the V three superchargers are updated, w- what's going to happen when literally all of a sudden hardware four is ready, or hardware three point five, or you know the next level of charging speeds are ready? And I was wondering what you think about that as a possibility, or if they're going to have to stagger or slow down the progress uh, because. It seems to me that I, I thought it was on your show, but I can't remember. But it seems to me that Elon was talking about already advances in, in processing and speed of computer on the car with what comes after 3.0. And can they really just keep rolling that out as quickly as they can make it when maybe the fleet isn't updated to 3.0 with those full self-driving uh, uh, members. So that was my thought, my question, kind of what I'm thinking about. I'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks. Hey, Chad, this is always an interesting topic and a particularly relevant one for when it comes to Tesla, a company that, as you are well aware, is not known to sit still for long. Ultimately, everything that Elon does, and I'm basing what I'm about to say on my impressions of him from both uh, from covering him and the company for almost the last five years. Wow, I didn't even realize this podcast is going to turn five this summer. Five already. It's almost ready for kindergarten. Uh, and by the way, and I'm also basing this on my impressions of him in person from when I got to do my interview with him, both during the interview and in my bit of off-the-microphone time afterwards. But anyway... I get the sense that everything Elon does is completely in service to Tesla's mission and SpaceX's mission. I know that sounds cheesy and it sounds trite, but I really do believe that with him, it's true. And I think his actions have backed that up. So that's why Tesla won't rest and they're always going to move forward. I mean, Hardware 3 darn well better be good enough to handle full self-driving because Tesla has already claimed that once with Hardware 2 and had to walk it back. Uh, From the autonomy day last year, we know that Hardware 4 is likely two to three years away. And, you know, where is Tesla going to be on the software side with full self-driving in two to three years from now? Who knows? And... What will it be functionally capable of in a day-to-day sense with Hardware 4 that Hardware 3 isn't? So, you know, is it going to be up to full level 5, no steering wheel kind of full self-driving? Maybe something else. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. And, you know, maybe Hardware 4 will be upgradable in the existing fleet, but maybe not. You know, there are no guarantees of that. But the mission must be advanced. And by the way, the same with supercharging. We already know what's going to happen there. Cybertrucks and maybe Roadsters and all the other cars built in a couple years from now might get to be able to do V4 supercharging. I mean, Elon already mentioned as much at the Cybertruck reveal. And maybe the rest of the fleet does get left behind on that. But the good news is what we have now is still the the top thing, the best thing. And it's still really good. And it's a good incentive for people to upgrade their Tesla in, in a car that 
really is otherwise not particularly loaded with good reasons to get rid of it, thanks to those monthly free software updates that we get that add new features for $0 and 0 cents. So the, the point is the future won't wait at Tesla. I'm very confident in that much because they've got crazy big goals to achieve. Great call here, Chad. Thank you very much. Thanks to everybody that called in. I always appreciate it. And again, I welcome you. I invite you to call in. I gave you the call-in info at the top of this segment. So hopefully I'll be hearing from you soon. And we'll do, of course, more calls on next week's show. All right, stick with me. I've got a little bit more for you. I want to tell you about what's going on with my car and my Hardware 3 upgrade that is in progress now. And I've got your pro tip of the week, plus a couple of cool sales and promotions to talk to you about right after this. As I mentioned one or two shows ago, I had an appointment to take my car in for service for uh, two things. One, I'm getting the updated battery breathers. So depending, if, if you have a car, have a Model 3 specifically, that makes loud clunking sounds, particularly at cooler temperatures and typically on elevation changes. So I've seen it like when I'm turning downhill or like pulling up into something and it's cool out and you'll hear, you'll heal, hear and almost feel this clunk uh, seemingly over, at least with my car, near the driver's, like under the driver's feet. It, the car works fine, but it's, it's, a, it's an air pressure change thing. Uh, and they have these battery breathers that I can't even tell you exactly what they do. And there is a newer version of that part for affected VIN ranges, of which I am part uh, that will help alleviate that problem. So I, I wanted to bring it in for that. And then also, I was lucky enough that my VIN has been flagged to get the Hardware 3 full self-driving computer upgrade. So uh, I dropped the car off Thursday afternoon, and much to my great surprise, the very kind uh, service rep said, well, the worst-case scenario, and he did emphasize worst-case scenario, is that it could be... A week. I might not get it back until next Friday, Valentine's Day. So it would, the car might potentially be at the shop for over a week. Uh, he said that I guess the firmware updates take a long time. So once the the card, the new, the full self driving computer is physically installed, they've got to do a firmware update to tell the car that hey, you've got full self driving computer now. You've got hardware three. And apparently that if that hardware, pardon me, if that firmware update fails, it has to be started all over again, which can, you know, take another day, basically, because of uh, it can take five, six hours, I'm told, to do that, to complete that firmware update, plus the battery breather. I don't know how long that's going to take, but I do know the, the pack has to be dropped out of the car to do that. So that could be, a, a, you know, an all day project as well. So fingers crossed that I, I won't actually be without my car for a week. But uh, the good news is when I get back, we'll get it back, it will be in better shape than ever. So uh, once I have it back, and I've got the upgrade, I will let you know, kind of any impressions I have of if autopilot feels different, as well as the, uh, the full self driving visualization preview. That's, that Hardware 3 offers. So looking forward to talking about that, hopefully on next week's show. Uh, and real quick, I just wanted to give a quick thank you to popular, very popular, tech YouTuber and fellow Tesla owner, 
Marquez Brownlee, a.k.a. MKBHD, he gave this podcast, of all the podcasts out there, he gave this podcast a very wonderful shout-out. He did a blog for Pocket Casts where he listed his favorite top 10 podcasts, and Ride the Lightning made the list. And, you know, honestly, that made me feel really, really good. Thank you, Marquez, if you are, in fact, hearing this. All right, pro tip of the week time, Mike from Kirkland. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Ryan, this is Mike from Kirkland, Washington. I'm calling with a pro tip I kind of found by accident. Um, I'm one of those people that when I drive on autopilot, I really like to have the rainbow road as much as possible just because I think it looks really awesome. But after a year and a half of ownership, I am kind of sick of the SNL skit that they play, and I couldn't find a way to get that thing to stop. Well, I found a way. Make the car fart. Yes. If you make the car fart, it will stop the SNL skit, and then you get your rainbow road, and you can get back to listening to your podcast or whatever you happen to be listening to. Cheers. Mike, welcome to the podcast. By the way, I love Kirkland. I have spent a few nights up there over the years while doing uh, multi-day visits to Bungie, the former makers of Halo, current makers of Destiny, and then 343 Industries, the current makers of Halo, are up there too. I love that little lakefront downtown area. That is super cool. Lots of nice little restaurants, and and the town seems super dog-friendly too, which I appreciate. Anyway, uh, for your tip... That might be one of the most obscure pro tips that I've ever gotten on this podcast, but I say that in a complimentary way. I think that's great. I love it. And I definitely didn't know that one. So I learned something today. And Mike, I appreciate you sending that in. All right. I've got to hit the road. I know I've sounded not good again. I can hear it. I can hear it in my own voice. It's super nasally and awful. So apologies once again. Hopefully next week things will be back to fully normal. But in any case, I do want to pass along some good news. The uh, Valentine's Day sale I mentioned, uh, I think two shows back, two or even three shows back, that Jada is doing, the makers of the wireless charging pad for Model 3, which by the way, is going to fit the Model Y. There's, I guess we can't say it with 100% certainty, but with 99% certainty, it's going to fit because it's using most of the same parts, including the center console. Um, so you might, you could get the jump and have it ready to drop into your Model Y uh, or the Model 3. But the wireless, US, the wireless uh, phone charging pad, as well as the USB hub, complete with the awesome secret magnetic door that hi- you can hide your your uh, USB dash cam, your pure Tesla Sentry kit back there uh, away from prying eyes. So they're having the sale that I mentioned is still going up until the 13th, up until February 13th. So that is when this ends. So it's $10 off of the USB hub, $20 off of the wireless charging pad, or $45 off of both. So if you would like to take advantage of that, please use my referral link because full transparency, they'll throw me a couple bucks if you buy it through my link. So go to getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight, and Jada is spelled J-E-D-A, getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And then the uh, promo codes to use if you want both, the bundle is Jada Bundle. If you just want the wireless charging pad, it's Jada Pad, all one word. 
Uh, and if you, or if you want just the USB hub, it's Jada Hub. So again, that ends February 13th. That's actually a really good deal on either of those, but especially off of both of them. So if those are of interest to you, please jump into my referral link there and do take advantage, save yourself some money. It's a one-time purchase for the entire life of your car. You know, that's, you're only going to ever have to buy that once. Meanwhile, the aforementioned USB uh, sentry mode slash dash cam, puretesla.com slash RTL. That is the place to go. One-stop shop. They sell the kits that come. They're, they're mailed to you. It's free shipping in the U.S. Uh, and they will ship internationally, though, for a, a you know small fee just to get it to you. So they come pre-formatted, ready to go. Take them right out of the packaging envelope. Plug it right into your car. 128 gig kit for $49 or 256 gig kit for $69. And again, this uses via a USB adapter. It uses a micro SD card that is designed to be read and written to over and over and over all the time. So it's not going to crap out like we've been seeing, like I personally saw with my USB uh, drive and a lot of you have been seeing with your USB drive. So if that one-stop solution is of interest to you, go to puretesla.com slash RTL. If you are in the market for detailing and you're in the Bay Area or you're going to be here, please do see my friend Jeff at Immaculate Reflections, a wonderful human being and an excellent detailer as well. Uh, he's really, really good at being both a human being and a detailer. I mean, it's, like I said, I, I, uh, we were introduced to each other a while back, and you know he's he's the his work is clearly good, but he turned out to be just a wonderful person as well. Someone I I would I have absolutely trusted with the most valuable or at least the most expensive thing I own outside of the house is is my Model Three. So he's taken great care of it, and I encourage you to uh, to do the same with him with your cars if you're interested in either you know there's paint correction paint protection film, ceramic coating, any of that, all of that. Learn more at his website, irdetailing.com. That's short, of course, for Immaculate Reflections Detailing.com. irdetailing.com. All right, almost done, almost there. Uh, finally, I have to give my obligatory plug for the Patreon. I mean, this is, in all seriousness, it is the Patreon that keeps this show going because uh, you know it does take a lot of my time a lot of my energy. I love doing it, but the the support on Patreon is what allows me, it is what justifies the continued amount of time and energy and enthusiasm uh, that does go into this. So if you feel like I've earned your support, you know, you can pledge any amount of money per month that you want. There are different uh, tiers. $5 a month, you'll get early access to each week's show. $10 a month, you'll get that bonus episode that I mentioned earlier and the early access, $20, you'll get uh, all of those things, plus your name shouted out at the end of the show, which I'm going to do in a minute. And then there's even a couple tiers higher than that. So uh, I would just kindly, kindly ask that if you do feel like I've earned your support, check out the Patreon page and learn more, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And with that, let me do as promised and thank the Patreon producers. Uh, we'll see what's left of my voice <laughs> to get through this. Thank you so much for your continued support. 
to the Patreon producers, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Scott Gillis, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, Lisa Kaz, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, and Mark Eversole. Thank you all very much. I would love to add another name or two to that list here in the next week or two. We'll see. We'll see. All I can do is put this show out there. It's always voluntary. I'm always going to be here for you regardless. You know that. I've proven that over the last almost five years now. I'm always going to be here for you. Uh, So thank you all so much. And by the way, I was totally right. Daisy the Boxer Puppy passed out about, oh, 20 minutes ago. She's just over there snoozing away. But that's all right. I'm glad she's comfortable and happy. And I am too. It's been a fun week, uh, other than still not quite feeling all the way better. I feel good, just don't sound great. But uh, here's to that being being uh, all fixed up and better next week. I wish you all happy electric motoring. Have a wonderful week, and I will see you once again next Sunday, every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific is when the new show drops. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.